0: Hey, it's Stephanie, and this is Kids These Days, a podcast brought to you by grant funding from the Kansas Department for Children and Families. Hey, everyone. It's Haney. I'm back again to continue with the second part of a two-part series on biting. Last week, we looked at the why, and if you haven't heard about it already, we know that all behavior is communication. And when we have children who bite, it's our job to figure out the why they're trying to communicate and then address it. We broke down some of the reasons why as they relate to the observations that we talked about. And we started talking about some ways that we can resolve the biting behavior. Sometimes it will take some changes to our schedule or environment or interactions we have with the child it's important to remember that when we're going to try and address challenging behaviors, we have to figure out the why and then respond appropriately. So I want, while I won't go into the details of how to fix every common why, I'm sure that once you do the work to make the observations and interpret those observations, you'll find good ways to address it. So what I want to spend our time together on is responding in the moment. When child bites, what are the next steps that you take? How do you address it? And some of these parts will be the same for all children, but some might be modified once you know their why. Clear as a milkshake? You'll see what I mean in a minute. Okay, so let's start by responding. First, we stay calm, and this is big. We must remember that children match our emotions. We can't start out being upset or come in with anger or other big feelings. If we escalate, they escalate. We need to be able to calmly and confidently approach the situation. Our next step, and this one's one that a lot of people miss, is to go to the child who has bitten. Who has been bitten. What? Haney? you want me to ignore the child that just bit his friend? I need to address the behavior. Yes, 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 yes. I know you do. And I'm not saying that it won't be addressed. But remember when we talked about sometimes the why is because of attention seeking? Here's where we nip that in the bud. So by going to the child who was bitten first, we are telling the child who bites that they won't get the attention they are seeking by doing that behavior. So, we go to the child who was bitten first and give them the comfort and loving. Then, we firmly state, biting hurts to the child who bites. We encourage the child who bites to look at the other child. We point out that he's sad, that he has tears, and he looks upset. He's crying because you bit him. And this helps the child who bites to see that it is hurtful behavior to his classmate. If they're able to do so, we want to encourage the child who is bitten to self-advocate. Lead them through a simple, I don't like that statement, or don't bite me. Be sure to allow plenty of time for that child to say it independently if they're capable of doing so. We want to give them that chance. Then, the child who bit needs to help comfort his classmate. Kendrick, we need to help Johnny feel better. What could we do to comfort him? Model or encourage a pat on the shoulder or a hug, but only doing those things if the child who was bitten says it's okay. He may not want a hug, especially from somebody that just hurt his body, and that's okay. So now is where our knowledge of the child's why comes in. If you know the why, your next statements can relate to that. I know your teeth hurt because you're getting some new molars. Here's a cold teething ring you can bite on. Or, you seem upset that Johnny is too close to you. Next time, you can tell him to move away if he's too close. Whatever it is that you say can be related to the why from your investigative reporting. And finally, we help them both transition back into an activity. Usually, this also means moving the childhood bit to another area, again, depending on the circumstance. Okay, I know that was a lot, and in the show notes, I'm including a pretty little printable of each of these steps that you are more than welcome to print out and paste up wherever you need it in your classroom. Maybe make multiple copies, put them wherever you need them. But though lengthy, that's the biting response process. We respond to the incident in a way that is firm on the child who bites, ensures the child who is bitten is cared for physically and emotionally, and we address the why of the communication. Okay, so we covered what to do. Let's dig a little deeper into what not to do. Four of them here. First, we want to avoid labels oh my gosh, I wish I had a dollar for every time I walked into a classroom and the first thing I heard was, she's a biter or he's a biter while pointing to a child. If you want me to watch for biting behaviors, yes, I can absolutely do that. And I can help to try to prevent them. But when we automatically give um, a child a label and introduce others and introduce them to others as the biter, we lead to confirmation bias. It means we're not giving the adult the chance to get to know the child for the child. We're only pinpointing the behavior. And in addition, when we talk about these biters, they can hear you. And they take in way more than you think they do. So if they're continually hearing all day about what they are, they might just do the job to fulfill their role. So if you need to communicate with someone to shadow due to a challenging behavior, just say that. No need to label. Second, and we definitely don't do this in our programs, but it is a good thing to communicate with parents too. Don't bite back. Uh, Just the other day, I know someone who posted on Facebook that their own child, their personal child was biting and asking for advice on how to handle it you wouldn't believe the responses that said, just bite back. Scenario, situation, example, if I were to tell you that it's not good to eat a hamburger and then you watch me go to McDonald's and I get a quarter pounder with cheese and I made you watch me eat it, what would you think? It's confusing, right? I just got done telling you it's not good to eat a hamburger and then I just ate one. It's confusing. We can't tell a child, don't bite then turn around and do the exact same thing to them. By biting them back, you're disciplining by hurting them and instilling fear. Instead, use this time as that excellent opportunity to do some parent education, since you're all experts on the subject now, on the why of biting and how to respond appropriately. And the third what not to do I've said before, but it bears repeating, 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 don't focus too much on the child that bit yes we need to address the behavior but if we go immediately to the child who bit we're giving them exactly what they want attention and even though it's negative it's still attention we can get out of this habit by finding time to be intentional about showing some positive attention throughout the day not just when that unwelcome behavior occurs remember What we focus on is what we get more of. And finally, our fourth, what not to do, goes back to our first action item in the response. We stay calm. We don't punish. We don't get angry. We don't yell. If we respond harshly with escalated emotions, it only increases the child's fear and worry, which actually can lead to an increase in problem behavior. So we see that children often bite because they don't have the capacity for the appropriate response. Remember back just last episode when we talked about all of the reasons why children bite? Many of them were related to their age and being actually developmentally appropriate. They are literally not capable of responding the way that they do. So, or the way that we want them to, right? So instead, we have to frame this as a teachable moment. We use the time to build a relationship and to support self-regulation and social-emotional well-being. And we engage the child with firm, yet responsive, developmentally appropriate boundaries and expectations. Okay, again, this week, a lot of information. And here our goal was to bring it back to basics. (laughs) But really, I I do see this as basic, right? We're all experiencing biting at one time or another. And often it can be hard to navigate the situation. It can be frustrating. It can be overwhelming. And if I have to make one more phone call to a parent, I'm going to lose it, right? Been there, done that plenty of times. But really though, we have to remember, they are still learning. They're still figuring out the world around them and how to cope with this flood of activities and emotions and things going on while still developing all the skills it takes to be a functioning human being. That can take a while to figure out. Heck, maybe we never figure it out, but we do try our best. So, we'll wrap up biting. Last week, we explored how to understand the why and some common reasons why biting happens. This week, we walked through appropriate responses and learned some helpful information on what to avoid when biting happens. I hope this was helpful to you or you found it helpful to share with another. Until next time, I wish you well. Kids These Days is a co-production of the Casito Kids Infant-Toddler Specialist Network and Casito Workforce Development Programs. These programs are supported through a grant from the Kansas Department for Children and Families Child Care and Early Education Services. However, information or opinions expressed herein do not necessarily reflect the position or policy of the agency and no official endorsement should be inferred. If you have questions, comments, suggestions, or want to share your practice related to this or previous episode, please email us at kidsthesedayspod at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at at kidsthesedayspod. Be sure to check out the resources for this episode in the show notes. And don't forget to rate, review, and hit subscribe. This episode was written, recorded, and edited by Stephanie Haney and music track Hackbeat by Kevin McLeod.